2: welcome to Just Think, the podcast. This is Holly and Amy and Kristen. And today we are joined by two very special guests to dive into a topic we haven't addressed before. If you are a longtime listener of our podcast or you've listened to us before, what you know is that the whole idea behind our podcast is to encourage all of us to lay down our biases, to ask questions, to think critically, but really to just think. And in a a world where it seems increasingly prevalent that we're being told not to ask questions, to not think for ourselves, but to trust the science, the authorities, the government, whomever is in charge, we all know it's never been more important for us us to do just that. Because honestly, if we don't, our freedoms truly are at stake. The number one being your freedom of speech. And so in this conversation today, we're going to talk about Things that go completely against the narrative many of us have long believed and been told. Now, the reason we want to poke holes in this narrative is because one thing that Kristen, Amy, and I have learned over the last three years is no questions off the table anymore. We are not going to not question every last thing because we have learned from the last three years that people lie, the people in charge don't want to lose power. Money and greed are powerful motivators. War makes a lot of people money. And by knowing these things, we now question the motives of everything. And we question the narrative because we know the perpetuators of the narrative are the media and the media is captured and bought. Okay, so that's kind of a little background on why we're even talking about this because this is a sensitive subject for many of us that live through 9-11. Now, mm-hmm. I know for years, personally, I had people say, including my dad, who's a civil engineer, who would say, you know, there's something weird about that. Now, some of us, especially I think those of us raised on the right, we do not trust the government anyway. And it used to be when I was growing up, the right told me not to trust the government. And I believed them. The left told me not to trust corporations. And I believe them, too. Now it's just a hodgepodge, but I will say I don't trust either. Don't trust anybody. I don't trust anybody. <laughs> but what I really do know is that I know it's important to dig deeper. Okay. We can't defer our beliefs and the way we analyze and, and, and believe things just to the quote experts because we now know the experts may not be telling the truth. And so today we have two guests with us who would not consider themselves experts, except that they've probably studied the topic way more than the rest of us. And why? Because their curiosity got the best of them. In the same way with Kristen, Amy and I in COVID, we said something's weird, this doesn't make sense, and we started digging and we found the facts and we found the evidence, this is no different, okay? So for those of us who lived through 9-11, what were we told? We were told that Osama bin Laden and Muslim extremists hated the West for our freedom. They just hated us for our freedom, and so they just wanted to attack it. And they flew uh, two planes into the World Trade Center. Um, these, this is, these extremists who flew two planes into the World Trade Center, they flew one into the Pentagon, and then Americans took over the fourth plane that crashed in Pennsylvania, okay? That's what we were told. And many of us watched that happen in real time, myself included, on TV. I watched the second plane hit. And so we were all watching this. And if you lived through it, you remember it was traumatic. And the only good thing that came out of 9-11 was that the country was very united after that. And patriotism was real. And it was refreshing. Um, But what we now know is that some of the things that happened on that day, as they were told and narrated to us, we now say, hold on. That doesn't make sense. And there's nobody that has probably looked into this more than Ted Walter. And Ted Walter now runs the International Center for 9-11 Justice. And then we also have Drew Peterson on, who is a former firefighter who was not working in New York City at the time, but was working here in North Carolina, who, because of his training and insider information, started to go, hmm, Something's weird here, and he too has been studying what's been going on, and they've just been trying to share what they've learned, and that's what we've invited them here today to do. So, guys, thank you so much for being on. Ted, I'm going to start with you because we've watched a lot of your interviews, and now you have a new uh, movie out that we all want to watch, if you haven't already, Peace, War, and 9-11 that kind of, I think, goes through a lot of this, but would you just really quickly tell the audience how you got to a place where you're now devoting your life to trying to bring justice and truth to what really happened here.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me and giving me the chance to tell my story and talk about this issue. Um, I uh, actually moved to New York City uh, in August of 2001, uh, two weeks before 9-11. Um, so I was just starting college um, at NYU, and 9-11 was actually my first day of, of real Classes you know there was orientation before that, but that was my first day of class, and I went into class at about eight thirty and so fifteen minutes later the North tower was struck, and you know from there everything else happened. I didn't know actually until uh, my teacher was pulled out of class around ten o'clock, so a, a full hour almost an you know, hour and fifteen minutes later uh, and then it was kind of told roughly what was going on, and then came back into the class and finished the class uh, at uh, around ten twenty so um, i was in I was studying theater. Uh, at the time. And I was in a movement class. And so we were dancing and moving and whatever. Um, and all this stuff was going on, like, you know, a couple miles away, which is kind of crazy. And I was very much in a way um, in a cocoon while it was happening. And then I walked out of the building at about 1030, which is probably when the when the second tower had just gone down. Thousands of people like pouring up the street. It was just a, a river of people. And the whole one whole side of the sky was covered in, in, in dust and smoke and everything. So that's my, my 9-11 story. Every Pretty much everybody has theirs. Um, but so uh, from that day um, and, and on living in New York City, um, 9-11 really just colored my it was my introduction to the city. It colored my experience there for years. I was you know, I was pretty political at the time. You know, I was going to anti-war rallies in, in the lead up to the Iraq war and stuff. And I always had in the back of my mind questions about it. Like the first question I remember asking on the day was how, how did the plane get to the Pentagon, you know, almost an hour after the the first plane had hit the world trade center how was there not more air defenses in you know in the skies um and and i remember also thinking oh my goodness is that how buildings come down do they just disintegrate like that right it just turn turn to dust basically um which is which is what we we see happen um so I, I had those doubts and and by at a by a certain point i sort of almost had assumed the, the 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 presumption that they the you know the bush administration uh, had let it happen so that they could pursue the agenda that they wanted to pursue, which they did pursue after nine eleven, and that was within a year or two. Hearing about stories like Colleen Rowley, uh, FBI agent in, min- in Minneapolis, who wanted to search, uh, get a warrant to search, um, Zacharias Musawi's laptop, and was denied that. It just didn't make any sense before nine eleven, um, and and other stories. So, uh, but yeah, finally two thousand six. That is when there was really this this burst of new research and activism around 9/11 2005 2006 and i started you know i think it was may of 2006 i started reading everything i could get my hands on uh videos presentations reports the um NIST report the National Institute of Standards and Technology report had just come out in 2005 trying to explain how the twin towers came down so within a couple of weeks of in-depth research i concluded that the twin towers and building 7 were brought down by controlled demolition uh and it was a it was for me, it was earth shaking, even though in a way it didn't change my perspective that much about the Bush administration or the politics of our world. but the fact that they could get away with a deception and i you know that you know clearly high ranking officials in the u s had to be involved the fact that this deception could have occurred, the fact that the vast majority of the American public was living in in a sort of living a lie in a way was just too much for me to 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 just sort of learn about, and then not do anything about mm. it. And, and so I've ended up, and I was, you know, a lot of my friends learned about it around the same time. For whatever reason, I happen to be particularly passionate about it and, and just have ended up now dedicating, you know, the last, you know, almost 18 years of my life to this issue. Um, and along the way, me, you know, learning, becoming friends with lots of 9-11 family members, uh, several first responders, uh, pe- and people from all walks of life, Um, who are still trying to get the full truth out and get justice um, and change the course of that our country went on after 9-11, changes in a new course.
2: So so you weren't the only person who was there that day, even though you weren't right there at the towers. You were in the city that day. You saw a lot of what was going on with your own eyes. But now you have I'm sure, of course, you've gotten to know a lot of, like you said, first responders and families. So are you saying there's a lot of people who were on the ground that day, or who were family members who have the same questions you do and 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 believe there is something that's really wrong here
3: absolutely there are i mean there, there so many nine eleven family members i mean at one point somebody in the nine eleven family community estimated that half of the half of the nine eleven families on some level do do not accept the official story uh, think that there's more whether it's just Saudi Arabia was involved and or or, or, or even more that per- perhaps U.S. officials or, or other governments and agencies were involved. Um, but yeah, I, I've, you know, befriended dozens of 9-11 family members who have been involved in different ways over the years. Many first responders as well. I would say that, and, and we know that, you know, now the you know the research has been done showing that, um, you know, upwards of 200 first responders, mostly firefighters, but also uh, Port Authority police officers and other uh, NYPD, uh, in In their uh, oral accounts of their, their oral histories, their accounts of what they witnessed, believed at the time that the buildings had been brought down by controlled demolition, witnessed explosions, felt, heard, saw explosions or explosive phenomena that made them all conclude that it, the buildings had been brought down by controlled demolition or they, they didn't even use those words that day, but they said it was blown up or or what have you. Um, and a lot of them have a lot, I would say, very quickly. Because of the propaganda and because of social pressure, a lot I would say we, we see this even in the oral histories. Sort of maybe change their change their interpretation of what they witnessed on nine eleven. A lot, a lot have held to it. I would say it's still, and I've talked to many first responders. People you know who that day thought it was thought it was a demolition, and then kind of gradually accepted the official story and discounted their initial interpretation. And right. now come back to believing what they originally thought they witnessed, which was the buildings being brought down by explosives. Mm.
2: Well, and so that's, I think we want to just, you know, even pause right here to just say that. Remember, as you listen to what they share, it is hard. It was hard for me. It has been hard for me to really wrap my head around different narratives because I saw things in real time on just on the television. So again, I'm not there, but, and I am believing things based on what I'm being told. So it's informing my opinion, right? And we've had these deeply held opinions for 20 three years now or 22 years now. And so it's very hard. This is what's called cognitive dissonance. And we witnessed this through COVID where mm-hmm. you could say to people, you could lay out facts in front of them and they would still shake their head and go, no, there's no way that's true. Right. Well, it probably came from a lab. No, no, no. They said it did. They've debunked that. No, 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 no. But they no. Do you see what I'm saying? Like it's such cognitive dissonance. I mean, like I said, if I still see people running in masks, there's <laughs> cognitive dissonance. There's like something doesn't compute. And I do think it's fear at the base of all this. Whereas we're afraid that if the truth is what we think it could be, then our whole worldview is now altered and our safety is compromised.
1: Because then who do we trust? Right, Kristen? I think another thing too is just like there's a lot of parallels, we've talked about this between what we've gone through with COVID and then 9 11 when you really start diving into it. And I think what is has been the hardest thing for me to wrap my head around is just even thinking of, um, the evil that's like, if there's something, an actual agenda that is, that they, there was an intention and an, and an agenda and a plan knowing that so many people have died because of that. And I think that's where it's hard. It's like, some people just, you just choose not to believe that there's that much evil in this world and that that could even be possible. But there are, you have to start thinking, you know, especially what we've gone through now. It's got to start waking some people up because when you can't have questions about it, we've already seen this right now. Yeah. If they don't let you ask questions, then that means you have the right questions. And yeah. that means you need to go find the answer. Yeah. And you're going to yeah. have to find it yourself because they're not going to tell you and they're not going to let you try to find, they're they're not going to let you find the answer. And so the I way, think, Yeah.
2: And just so everyone knows, the way that you try to discredit people who are on the who are on the scent of whatever's going on is you label them as crazy, you conspiracy theorists, you demonize them, so that the world doesn't want to pay attention to them, right? And I mean, we've seen that with Alex Jones. Alex Jones is such a controversial figure, and certainly with the Sandy Hook thing, they really tried to take him down. That I'm not saying Alex Jones has been right about everything. Let me tell you what Alex Jones did do: he called 911. And you can't explain why he did why he was able to do that except that he had some intelligence. He said they were going to blame it on Osama bin Laden. Like, go back and y'all, you can go back in the archives, guys, and you can see Alex Jones calling, saying we're going to have a terrorist attack on our soil. They're going to blame it on Osama bin Laden. This is before nine eleven. What have they done to Alex Jones? They've tried to make him look like a wacko. Okay, mm-hmm. and and again you know, sometimes certain personalities can give to that. You know, I'd say Trump's one of them, right? Where they can say so much that like it, it doesn't help the cause. Like people say their one thing and then they say things and you're like, well, you're not helping yourself, but it doesn't mean what they're saying or some of what they're saying is not true. Does that make sense? And so, okay, well, I want to get your, what you think happened, Ted, but before you do, let me bring Drew into the conversation. Drew, thank you so much for being with us. And um, tell us how you started doing your digging. Like what made your light bulbs go off with
4: 9-11? Thank you for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you all. Nice to meet you, Ted. Um, mm-hmm. I was a firefighter, as you guys said. I was a young firefighter. I was 19. I'd been a junior fireman since I was 16, but I, I was only a, a professional fireman for about a year at the time. Um, and I really, I don't think if you were a fireman for a day or for 20 years, I think you'd probably have the same reaction when that happened. But I was checking my email in Wilmington, North Carolina at the fire station when uh, the Today Show broke to a commuter plane hitting the top of the building. So, you know, watch as an interested fireman would is something interesting going on in another city and watch the fireman put it out. But it was the fire was so big uh, and the reports were so varied. And then when the second plane hit, there was no question uh, as to what was happening. And it was very clear that we were being attacked at that time. Um, so I watched, I was on duty. We did not have uh, any fires that day. So so I had a good opportunity to sit by the TV and really watch it from an insider's perspective. And to be honest with you, every it was just speculation that day. But a lot of the news reports that day were saying that this has to be an attack. These building for bomb, there's reports of bombs going off, um, mm-hmm. much earlier than even before the planes hit there were reports of bombs, all of those reports ceased that day. Uh, the day after it was, uh, pretty much all succinct, uh, even later in the day that Osama bin Laden and terror groups were, uh, the ones responsible. And then by the next day, it was confirmed that those were the folks that were, that were responsible. Um, Which is interesting. Just I digress back up a second. There was never enough evidence to charge Osama bin Laden with 9 11. He was on the uh, most wanted list for a totally separate issue. They never had enough evidence to charge him with that, uh, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Not to mention uh, Osama bin Laden's brother was eating breakfast with George H.W. Bush, Bush one at the time of 9 11 at the Ritz Carlton in Washington, and they'd had a meeting before with his brother the day before at the Ritz-Carlton. It was over some security and international issues. Um, And then another, just while I'm on this, another odd thing that happened is Marvin Bush, George W. Bush's brother, was the head of security for the 9-11 complex up until 9-10 was his last day of work. So no idea what that means, but it's just weird coincidences. But I digress back to where I was. I was a firefighter. I watched it throughout the day. I don't want to say I was a Reagan Republican. I was too young for that, but my dad was. Um, capitalism, if you want to make it, you do it yourself. Work hard, grit, dirt, and make it. And the government backs you up and they help people who help themselves. So I believed everything that was said. Um, we wanted to get those terrorists. I called my, my dad Been in the Air Force. I called him and said, should I go in the military or should I stay a fireman? He said, you're already a fireman. Just stay there. You know, you're doing the right thing. So yeah. I did. And I think that was uh, most of our generation kind of had the same thought process. We want to get those bastards who did this to us. Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody had an American flag and uh, I had no reason to suspect anything was wrong. Actually, I hate to admit this, but until we went to, my wife and I went to the uh, Ground Zero Museum in 2020. Um, Once I got down there, I've I've got a bad habit of over-researching any place I've been, just the history of it or interest in it. And that is when I'd never really looked into the details of it. And as soon as I did, just opening the cover, just scratching the surface, there was anomalies that didn't make any sense. And uh, I was led to, just on a Google search, of a guy named Richard Gage. He was, at the time, the director of the architects and engineers for 9-11. And he had a vast, just a ton of information and led me to a couple of documentaries about it. And it's amazing. As soon as you scratch the surface, you realize that uh, there's anomalies that have never, ever happened in any other fire. And so just my thought to get away from any subject subjective thought, it was so confusing. There's so many stories told. It's no point even uh, thinking about subjective to- topics at that point. But the objective topics were that. So I started with building seven. I mean building 1 and 2 that is extraordinarily complicated and I'm not an engineer or an architect but uh it looked odd but building 7 was the really the strange thing that it uh it looked exactly like those demolitions in um in Vegas they looked just like those health, hotels coming down yeah. and uh, in fact I heard an interview with a I believe he was Dutch or Danish um, controlled demolitions expert and he was just shown the video unprompted. And he said, this is a controlled demolition. Where is it? And it was building seven. Um, So I've not heard of any demolitions expert that has said that it appears to be a natural collapse. Um, Right. It it fell at free fall. I think it was was several seconds of the collapse. I don't have the exact number, but it's citable. Two and a half Um, half seconds. And and what led me to concern with that, being a former firefighter, I have uh care for the firefighters on the job and if i ever find anything out that i can do to help them i'd love to to keep them safe um a concerning factor was that after this well let me let me go back these three buildings are all the official story from the government is that these buildings fell due well the plane impacts were one and two and then fires from that but building seven specifically fell due to normal office fires. And I quote that normal office fires, um, which get up to about a thousand degrees, but these fires in this building were in fires burn with normal office fires, they burn out of fuel. So if one room will burn out 30, 45 minutes, then the next room, and it'll just keep progressing down like that until the fuels burned up or the building collapses. But the unique thing with this, this is a steel structure. it had, I mean, it was a reinforced steel structure, even with the Office of Emergency Management with, with uh, even higher grades of steel and protection. Um, and none, no, ever in the history of, of the world has a steel frame reinforced structure ever collapsed due to normal office fires. Um, I don't believe that a, a steel frame reinforced structure has ever collapsed due to fire at all of any kind. But there have been fires uh, all across the world that have burned for hours. Uh, There's one in Los Angeles that burned for nine hours and one in China that burned for 11. Uh, The entire skyscraper was completely consumed in fire. And once it was out, they just built back on the same frame. And and We
2: were watching watching videos actually too, Drew, I think today, girls, wasn't it, where someone said that week, um, I cannot remember who it was now, but when they were reporting, they said, you know, a steel building has never collapsed from a fire. They, they, they,
4: they said were, That's correct. There are three in the history of the world that have collapsed, steel frame structures from fires, and okay. they were all on 9-11. And Building 7 is unique because it was not hit by anything. Um, right. So that is,
1: yeah.
4: it collapsed due to normal office fires, the official story, and that's never happened before, which is an anomaly. Um, right. And there was... There was a uh, Office of Emergency Management employee that was in the building at the time uh, during the fires just previous to it collapsing. And uh, he reported multiple explosions. He was on a stairwell that collapsed with another employee. Um, I think it was 20 or 30 feet and he lived, but he, he escaped. And this was before the collapse. So there should not have been any structural damage inside that building. Um, yeah. But he was told to escape. And he also reported stepping on many bodies. That is just his arbitrary report. But it's still an odd anomaly that is that's not common for any other fire. As okay, well,
2: me, Did more people. Uh, kill, were, OK, I'm sorry. I did not know this. Were mm-hmm. people killed in building seven?
4: The official report is no. But one of the officer of emergency management employees from New York City stated that it was that he's who's stepping over bodies in the. Uh, in the lobby. In the room. lobby, yeah, it was in the lobby on the floor of the I, world.
3: It was in the lobby, yeah. as he was leaving, as he was sort of finally leaving the building, he said he, he felt like he was stepping over bodies. Right. And what, so, what, would,
2: what would they have died from? Would that be like smoke inhalation, or what would he think they had died from?
3: That's a good question. It may have know, been that it was, you know, he said he didn't see he didn't see them. He was told not to look down. the The account is, a, I'll say, a little strange, but just taking it at face value, he said he was told not to look down, but he kind of felt as he was walking or crawling that he felt bodies below him. Um so it's, it's, it's possible. There was a lot of damage in the building. Uh, there could well have been explosives going off in the lobby area of building seven. Okay. You know? um, okay. The, uh, the, there's some details about his account that are, I don't want to cast doubt on it, but what we do know is that not not only did he and Michael, so this is Barry Jennings, um, who worked for the New York City Housing Authority, uh, the Emergency Service Department of the, of that agency, and then Michael Hess, who was the Corporation Counsel for New York City, so the head attorney for New York City, were trying to leave the building together, and there was a big explosion that basically trapped them in this and on the eighth floor, right? Okay. And they both reported it as an explosion. Other people went into Building Seven later in the day. This actually happened in the mid morning you know, somewhere around when maybe after the first tower went down before the second one or in that vicinity. But later later in the day, other people went in and have reported this, that that the um, elevator, at least one elevator car, if not two, were ejected from the elevator shafts, right? That You had tremendous damage on, around the eighth floor where you could see columns just dangling, you know? So there was a tremendous amount of damage to the core of the building, which doesn't square with the idea uh, of impact of, of steel from the north tower coming down and hitting the building. So that's right. another
0: Well, that is no. the question is um what what was the location from building 7 to the t- towers? Like what is the how Proc- far apart are the proximity to each other? What is the proximity and are is the official narrative that something that happened at the twin towers is what impacted the office fires at building 7? Like what does building 7 have to do with the with this terrorist attack? And also, um, what was in Building 7? Like, what was that building?
4: Very good question.
3: Oh, good questions, yeah. Um, so, th- so Building 7 is a, was, a, was about a football field north of the North Tower. Uh, and so when the North Tower went down, some debris from the North Tower did apparently hit Building 7. And the story is that that debris started fires on multiple floors in the building. Um, with this. The, the narrative that they eventually ended up with was that the damage itself did not contribute to the collapse, but it was this igniting of fires caused by the debris. The fires then traveled through the building throughout the course of the day, and then eventually brought br- brought it down at 5.20 in the afternoon, so about almost seven hours after the collapse of the North Tower. Um, the official story really has no explanation. It's touched on in the NIST report, but really kind of glossed over about Explaining that damage to the interior, to the core of the building, and elevator cars being ejected from their from the elevator shaft. That is, it's not the the, the damage to the exterior of the building doesn't really explain that. Although they they
4: just kind of gloss over it. Um, the- and if I could add to that, Ted, if I may. Um, the nine eleven commission chose not to interview these folks and take it into account what they said. So the official nine eleven report did not entertain the. Uh, those victims' interviews. Okay. Sorry, take, continue.
3: Yeah, I don't know. You know, I'm not, I know that Barry Jennings, I'm not sure about, I, I do believe that Barry Jennings and Michael Hess were interviewed and I'm, it was either at a joint interview by both NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Technology and the 9-11 Commission. But what, what's clear is that they're, uh, Their account was not included in the nine eleven commission report. Nothing. So even if they were interviewed by the nine eleven commission, it didn't make it into the report.
4: That's correct. I I I apologize. That's he's correct on that. It didn't make it into the report. Right. And then if and
3: then there is a paragraph or two that doesn't name them, but you can tell that it's talking about Barry Jennings and Michael Hess, and it gives this story that that what they witnessed was the um the you know what they thought was an explosion at the time, which Barry, Barry Jennings continued to believe was an explosion. Uh, was debris from the north tower hitting the building? So they're saying that that happened at 10:28. Now, if you study the whole, t- one of the things that we did that I've done over the years, I actually challenged NIST, wrote wrote a request for correction for them to actually revise their report. Is that they NIST says that Barry Jennings and Michael Hess started to leave. And sorry if we're getting into the weeds here, but no, that's right.
1: No, okay. we both <laughs>
0: they,
3: they started to leave. That they were they went to the 23rd floor, um, whereas Drew mentioned the, the emergency operations center. Uh, was uh, the New York City Office of Emergency Management and it was closed it was locked so they started to leave right around right around when the south tower came down which was at 9:59 a.m. So they start walking the elevators don't work so they start leaving from the 23rd floor and supposedly at 10:28 like they that's when they witnessed this ex- what they thought was an explosion but that's that's 29 minutes why would it take them 29 minutes to travel 15 floors right uh, you could, If you're hurrying because you're you're in the middle of an emergency and you're scared, like you could get down 15 floors in like in about a minute or two minutes, you know, and Barry Jennings actually said in an interview he did with the BBC, like we were like jumping down from landing to landing. So so that the timeline doesn't make any sense that they would. And that's the latest that they would have left the 23rd floor is at 959 a.m. So clearly the explosion that they witnessed had nothing to do with the North Tower coming down at 1028 AM. And, mm-hmm. and the, all the phenomena that they described on the day of 9-11 and that Barry Jennings continued to describe just doesn't, is not consistent with just debris hitting hitting the south face of, of Building 7. So.
2: so a question for you guys, um, because if you've ever been to New York City, it's incredibly dense. It's not like there's lots of extra like space between buildings. It is very dense. And I mean, certainly you said it's a, a football field away from the other two buildings, but There were other buildings in between in that proximity. (laughs) Why why didn't they have did they have fires? Did they did what happened to those buildings?
4: They did. Um, Building four and six were uh, greatly destroyed. They did not completely collapse. But if you look in uh, in the center of building six, it's really all but the perimeter uh, is gone. Uh, In addition to that, there were. Confirmed reports that there was trucks of gold in between buildings one and two and four and six. There were underground roadways, tunnels, parking lots that were stuck around corners full of gold. It was billion dollars of Canadian government gold that sh- there was no record that it should have been moved. That I have nothing else to say beyond that, but that is a fact that was found uh, during the recovery.
2: That they found gold between the buildings.
4: It, it, it was in a dump truck, but the dump truck either couldn't turn the corner under the building, or they escaped uh, due to their danger. But yeah, there were dump trucks with gold.
1: Huh. Hmm.
2: That's so. I mean, I'm
3: learning, things, I'm learning things too because like there's there's so much information I have heard over the years about the argument that there was gold in the basement of Building Seven, possibly in some of the other buildings. Building Six is is often talked about, as as Drew mentioned. Um, so. I think it's very, it's it's beyond plausible. It's it's probable that when we talk about the motives for 9-11, we're talking about sort of the big geopolitical, you know, start the war on terror type of thing. But there may have also been financial motives, uh, you know, financial crimes that took place on and after 9-11. Uh, lots of transactions were going on and some of the um, companies that were that, that were in the towers,
4: uh, financial transactions, you know, yes. heists basically going As well on. as the airlines, as well as the airlines were shorted.
0: Well, so that's what I wanted to ask about the Building 7 is um, if it did come down, you know, via controlled demolition, which obviously the video looks like a complete free fall, Like, why that building? Why demolish that one?
3: It's a great question. And, and you know, like I would say, you know, v- various... Various theories have been put, been put forward, and they're not mutually exclusive. Um, the I, there's there's this sort of theory that nine eleven was basically all planned and orchestrated from Building Seven, or not all orchestrated, but was involved in that because you had the Secret Service, you had the CIA, you had the FBI, you had the New York City Office of Emergency Management in that building. So this idea of let's take out let's take out this building, take down this building after everything has happened um, to get rid of this evidence. Um, you had the Securities and Exchange Commission as well in, in Building 7. So and they were there were some, you know, these high-profile investigations going on at the time into Enron and WorldCom and, you know, thousands of files. My understanding is that thousands of files were were lost because the building went down. Um, you have the gold motive that we just spoke to. People have have, have at least hypothesized, and, I'm, and I can't say that I know what this is, is it might have been on, based on accounts of, People who were there, involved in the rescue, involved in the cleanup, who said that there was gold being taken away. I'm not sure. Um, so there's those things, but I, I think, um, and then there's maybe an insurance motive here. And with the towers, you know, Larry Silverstein, the Silverstein Properties, taking out insurance on the towers, you know, going entering into a lease on the towers a few months before 9/11, taking out an insurance policy for terrorism that if the buildings were destroyed in act of terrorism, that he would collect 3.5 billion dollars and be able to rebuild. So there's there's that
4: possible motive, which was also an unprecedented insurance policy. It had never been requested before, and they had to go to multiple insurance carriers to figure out how to even do that policy. And that was just weeks before the attack. It had never been done before. But sorry, continue to... right. right which there right. had
2: been an attempted attack on World Trade. We do need to mention that. Right. There had been an attempted terrorist attack on World Trade Center or there was a bombing. Right. ninety-three. Yeah, um, Ninety-three. So, but but the fact that it was just a few months before, you also have Alex Jones, based on his intel, saying there's going to be an attack, right? And so that leads us to believe this was not a shocking thing, like President Bush said when he said what they said this was a failure of imagination that we just couldn't imagine, couldn't imagine. But they did. They were imagining. They're imagining something because. People were preparing. Talk about the airlines too, Drew, real quick. They were shorting the airline stocks, right? When there's something going That's on. Right.
4: With- and, and just to jump back on what you were talking about, um, Alex Jones was not the only person that predicted this. There was another guy who's a retired military intelligence fellow who had a more or less a conspiracy uh, radio show, but he had intelligence experience. He's a retired military officer. And many of his predictions were true, including 9-11. He also predicted 9-11. And he he and Alex Jones actually had an interview previous to 9-11. Just to add that in. So, Alex, there was also another person, just to add to that. Yeah, it it
2: wasn't as shocking to the insiders as it was to us average Americans who were only getting our information from journalism, from American journalism, from the TV. So, see, now we have social media. And the reason why COVID didn't work as well is because... People could talk and they you have, you know, citizen journalists basically like us just putting information out there that people can access and go,
0: huh, that's weird. But we didn't really have that as much at the time. And I want to parallel this also to the um, Hamas Israel. You know, we're watching this go down and we're sitting here saying to ourselves, now that we have social media, and we're all real time connecting. We're like. You can't tell us that Israel, with the most advanced intelligence in the world, is going to let some in, like, five, five mile of land in complete squalor to be able to pull off some kind of heist like this, parachute in, not be seen, yada. It's just like the same thing. You can't tell us that it, it doesn't make sense that across the world in a desert in a bunker somewhere that these people are going to pull off an attack like this. And our intelligence is not going to know, not going to catch that sec- that third plane going to the Pentagon an hour later. You know, I mean, you start really thinking and it's like we're 22 years past it now. So obviously it's still very emotional, but we're able to step back from that emotion a little bit at this point to be able to think a little more clearly and it just it parallels the Hamas Israel thing too yeah and
4: absolutely consider this also with that remember they said the Hamas Israel that day October 7th that was their 9-11 right so interesting they say that it took 45 minutes to an hour for any responder to get there when everybody was dead on on October 7th and from what I've heard from all the reports is that that border is guarded extremely heavily that- electronic, visually, people, um, that nothing gets by there. If it does, they'll get a hundred yards over and be toast. So on that day there was just nobody around for an hour. And interesting parallel to nine eleven is that Those planes flew for a long time. The average interceptor rate, if I took a Cessna up and flew over some part that I'm not supposed to, over some military base, in six minutes, I should expect to have an F-18 escorting me. And if I don't respond in just a couple minutes, I expect to be missile in the ground. And it took 45 minutes for these planes to to be contacted. That's not an exact number, but it's, it's over 40 minutes that it took for these planes to be intercepted, which is unprecedented and unheard of even a third world country with an air force, but much less the United States in the highest, the highest protected airspace on earth would be say, downtown I mean, New York City in the Pentagon. Let me just yeah,
3: say that none of the planes were intercepted. No, officially, none of the planes were intercepted. That's correct.
4: I just want to tell the planes were, were launched to intercept, but he is correct. No planes were actually intercepted officially.
2: Come on, Ted. I want to go back to that. So, Ted, are you saying, because remember when we were watching this in quote, real time, if I'm not mistaken, they it, it, uh, eventually, it, did they not acknowledge that they were trying to get flight 93 intercepted? Did they not say they had sent planes to get to 93, but I think it went down before they got it? Is that not right or
3: so the, this is not my area of expertise as much as the demolitions but uh, but what my understanding is that they say that the only the, the official story now in the 911 commission report yes, is that it. the only flight that the military received notification of a hijacking of was the first one flight 11 really yeah and that there was actually no notification regarding the other three flights now that's completely bogus based on you know hundreds of interviews that military officers
2: so that's um, not even
3: true. No, it's it's not true. It's it's like a it's like a new story that the nine eleven commission came out with right at the end of their investigation. You know when they when they published the report in in the summer of two thousand four, and basically came out and said everybody in the military who said that they had gotten notifications at different time and the flights were scrambled, here and like they were um, th- those people were either wrong or lying, which is like doesn't make sense because why would they lie about? Wouldn't it be better for them to say? The military to say we didn't we weren't notified. The FAA didn't notify us. Why would they tell the story and say we were notified but we failed to respond in time? And then the NILA commission report, NILO commission comes out and says, No, no, they weren't they didn't, weren't notified at all. Um which, except for the first flight.
2: Well, and you know, maybe somebody was having elective surgery and they just weren't paying attention. And so and the person that was supposed to be their backup was on vacation in Puerto
1: Rico.
3: <laughs> yeah, General Canavan, who who was you know he he came to the FAA I think in early 2001 uh, was a hijack coordinator for the FAA. Happened to be in Puerto Rico that day.
0: Oh, oh, shut so. up. Yeah, I thought
3: you, I thought you said Puerto Rico because you knew. No, no
0: that's just another incident happening right now with our um, who was a National Secretary of Defense was yeah, out. Our- and- yeah, under yeah.
2: The, the, the Biden administration, Secretary of Defense was having elective surgery and declined to tell. D- just yes, did not yes. tell Biden for like three days. Yes. And so was yes. a failure of community. Anyway, it was crazy. And here we are in the situation we're in and, and people are having elective surgeries and vacationing
1: in Puerto Rico. So Puerto Rico. What's going on in Puerto Rico? Mm-hmm. I see right so the rabbit hole.
3: Puerto <laughs> Rico where the hijack coordinator for the FAA who had who had a military career prior to that was on the day of nine eleven on oh. some sort of on some sort of business that <sighs> maybe
4: maybe that's documented or not. I don't know. But that's what it would, If I may add to that also, um, there were a lot of abnormalities and anomalies that were happening that morning. There were over 20 uh, military exercises happening, which is not uncommon to have many military exercises happening. But some of the military exercises were exercising exactly what was happening, planes going into buildings. And they were, during these exercises, they were also talking to the civilian air traffic control all over the country. So, you know, in their exercise, they're talking to the air traffic controllers about planes going into buildings, shooting down planes, terrorists coming in. So these air traffic controllers, this is all documented, were extraordinarily confused about what was real world and what was exercise. Uh It was yep. very, con- and I mean, it's it's worth just listening to some of that air traffic control traffic. It's wild. Yeah. Um, and th- another odd thing with that, Condoleezza Rice, it was either later that afternoon or the next morning. um being questioned about you know what happened, she said, "How could we ever guess that a plane would go into a building? We never thought about that." They were literally having the same exercise the day before, which kind was like
0: the COVID simulation in October twenty nineteen.
4: Exactly. Yeah. Very similar to that. Yep. Yeah. There's a couple things. Um, would would it be okay if I add a couple things? Sure. It's... There was a couple things I thought about that I thought may be interesting to your uh, audience. Um, the last person, the last survivor that exited the Trade Center Towers, the, the large towers, was a guy named Willie Rodriguez. And he was a janitor in the building. Uh, he was in the sub, there were six sub-basement floors, and he was in one of the lower ones early, 8 in the morning. And um, he heard some explosions before the plane hit, and the doors opened to the elevator, and a man missing most of his skin, per Willie Rodriguez, burned off, fell out of the elevator. Uh, and Willie has worked in this building for 20 years. He knows sounds from the top to the bottom. And he said these explosions were lower in the building um, and they were before the airline hit. And so he's an expert within the building. But there's also other arbitrary reports of that by uh, by other folks as well. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so basically like weakening it prior to the plane hitting so that
4: What it sounds like, maybe taking out some of those columns. Because, I mean, that thing fell. The towers fell at for part of the time at the speed of gravity. So if you think about what that means, if I drop a coke can with nothing under it, it's going to fall at the speed of gravity. But if I put a jenga board on under it, it's going to fall slower because it's got to go through those jenga parts, right? And those jenga parts would be the structure of the building. So for it to fall at any time at free fall, that means there was nothing under it, in it inhibiting its fall. Mm-hmm. So. It
2: was all falling at once. Instead of a doot 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 doot, doot it was you're saying at the speed in which it fell, which I think we all now look back, and that's, again, where it's weird. Building seven, just to kind of sum up where I think Kristen and Amy, and it sounds like you too as well, building seven was the, huh, that's weird. But then going back and watching, I think in my mind, I remember when this, I remember, I can remember this thought the day I was watching it happen. I was like, is it going to topple over? Or is pieces piece of it going to topple over and fall into other buildings? And then you're just going to, like, that's, what I was expecting. And instead, what we saw was what you said, a free fall down into that kind of that little square of where it yeah. was built. And that's and, where a lot of people said, hold on, that's not a steel, That's not failure of the steel, And that would have to be something happening systematically all the way down the building. Is that right?
4: It's, that's what it sounds like to me and appears to be to me. But also think about this just from a layman's perspective. one hundred 10-story building fell, and there's only five or six stories of debris. Where's the building? So the concrete, it looked dustified. But if you, there's been, um, uh, professors have done examinations of this and found that this, the pieces of steel that were coming down at the beginning, some were ejected 600, 800 yards. So if something falls, it falls down. It doesn't get thrown out like a football before it comes down.
3: Yeah, what I would say, 600 feet in all directions was the was sort of the, for the most part, the furthest, the, the debris field, which is very far. You know, it's like two football fields, you know, and yeah. you can, so that's what you see in the videos, right? You're not okay. looking at the top, just kind of go boom, 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 boom. You're, you're, in the first few seconds, the top actually disintegrates in both cases. The top, in the case of the North Tower, pretty much telescopes straight down. And you can see it destroy the top being destroyed before the destruction to the bottom portion really proceeds, okay? Yeah, in the case of South Tower, you actually see it tipping and beginning to fall, and then you would expect that that chunk of building to just fall onto the street or hit another building. But about four seconds into its descent, you can tell from some videos that it just explodes. Right? It literally just like spontaneously disintegrates. Right? And then, so yeah, you've got, and you look at these videos and you can see the incredible like outward trajectory of the materials, the immediate. Pulverization of all of the concrete, and just you know, where's the top? The top has disappeared. So from that point, after the first four or five seconds, it's just the building and layers shooting shooting out, and a large amount of the the debris, probably as much as fifty percent, is outside of the building's footprint because it's been it's been expelled so far in, in all all directions.
2: Well, and you and, know, to, I I think this is where um this is starting to make more sense to me because. For years, when people would present this theory, I would think, well, we've never had jets, jetliners, massive cross-country jetliners filled with fuel flying into buildings before. So what do we compare it to? Like, you know, when people say this is not happening for, I was like, well, we also didn't have fuel, fuel fuel-filled jetliners flying into buildings either. But when you talk about the fact that, yes, you you could have explosions from the plane and all the things going on in the building, catching fire and exploding. yes. But the, but it all happening kind of simultaneously. That's the that that's like what you're saying is the weird part. You should have seen it flying off chunks, right? Instead of just this sort of top to bottom free fall.
4: Right. And also, this is not unprecedented in New York City in 19 mid 40, I think it was 46 or seven. A bomber uh, in fog flew into the Empire State Building. Yeah. Um, it's a smaller plane than the 757s, but it, it hit and the dam, I mean, the amount of damage you can see, it just literally knocked out a wall and the plane's sitting in the floor. Um, addition to that, the World Trade Center architects and designers uh, built that to be, they intended for it to be hit by a 707, which was the largest airliner at the time in the late sixties, but it was intended to take an airliner hit. Mm, okay. Multiple, multiple, really. Multiple, that's yeah. correct. Yeah.
2: Okay, no. okay, okay. So I have to ask this now because oh, sorry, Kristen. Did you want to insert something? Sorry, I have a question, but you got
1: no. That's a well. I was just going to say, even looking at, I think it was Building Seven, but one of the videos when in one of your interviews, Ted, that I was watching, um, it literally does look like explosions. Individual explosions are happening in the windows. Like, I mean, you can see it coming out, and I'm like, if you're seeing that, that can't be just fire, you mm-hmm. know.
3: Yeah. Definitely not. Nor, nor in the theory that the, the ones that you started to see when the top starts to come down is people say that, including the official government agency that did the investigation, claim that the top coming down is somehow pushing all the air, compressing all the air, and it's just kind of shooting out outwards, right? There's, mm-hmm. a, there's a number of issues with that. First of all, as I mentioned, the top is actually itself disintegrating. So it's not, you need like a completely like perfect container to generate that kind of pressure wow. like if you imagine like a, a pistol or something in it like perfect container to get that kind of pr- and then you need you know on, on all sides really then you have the issue of like why would it come out one if if you really somehow generate that much pressure you might see all of the windows kind oh, of burst out but you've right. got these huge ejections coming out and and then perhaps most the most obvious part of it is that there's huge amounts of debris in these ejections and it's like 20 30 floors below Right. Where where the where the collapse front is, you've got huge amounts of debris. If it was air being compressed and breaking windows, it would just be it would be invisible. It would be air. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you have actually pulverized debris, pulverized building materials shooting out of the out of the building at about, you know, over 100 miles per hour, I believe, is, is it's. Some of these of right. So.
2: Well, OK, so let me ask this, guys. And first of all, we, we could talk about this for hours and hours and skim the surface of where there's holes in the narrative. And so I think if you take nothing else from this episode, you you recognize what the guys are saying, is the official report, the 9-11 Commission report, which Ted, help me out with this, didn't it take forever to get that report? Like, what was, that was also weird, right? They, they didn't have the funding or they didn't have the, time. like, do you just yeah. let the audience know why even getting an official report from our own government was a painstakingly, you know, difficult process?
3: Yeah, the 9/11 families had to campaign for about a year to get the 9/11 commission to even happen. You know, initially the Bush administration, Dick Cheney were like very much against it, you know, lobbying against this happening. Uh then when they finally uh managed to form the commission, the Bush appointed or somebody was Bush, appointed Henry Kissinger to be the chair of the commission, which is like just a joke if, you know, Henry Kissinger himself is a, a war criminal and, you know, deep insider, you know. So, um yeah, and then in terms of the, the well, I mean, I could go on and on. The NIST investigation as well didn't start until 2002. Before that, it was like a very haphazard sort of uh, investigation that was started by the American Society of Civil Engineers and then taken over by FEMA. And then in 2002, the NIST investigation started and then took six years because they could not come up with an explanation for Building 7. It took them like five years to like come up with a story that they, oh. they had like. When the investigator talks about it for this, he says, oh, yeah, in 2000, early 2007, we had this epiphany that it could have been th- this this structural, um, you know, thermal expansion as opposed to weakening that this whole collapse that they talk about, that their, their theory is based on this idea of thermal, that the steel expanded and cr- created this crazy chain reaction of events in the building that eventually that in a matter of seconds, dro- dropped the whole building and free fall. So that, you know,
4: that's sort of a giveaway. That How
0: and then people just believe that that's what's I'm like, come on.
4: another little another little caveat to that that investigation um of course the president and the vice president who were in charge that day were questioned uh they refused to be on the record interviewed and they made sure to go together that was the only way they would do it so their stories were together and mm-hmm. nothing's on record together yeah. not yeah. On in you know in private. i think just in the last
3: year they released like the nine the, the notes, the nine eleven commission staff's notes from the from the interview. Um, I have myself not dug into it, but yeah, they were. The, Cheney did not want Bush doing that that <laughs> interview by himself, and certainly not not in public and not under oath, and et, et cetera. Makes yeah.
1: you think. Makes you well, think.
2: They had interesting to me is that they did have Bush out of D.C. that day, knowing what was going to go down. They had him in Florida with a bunch of school kids. And,
4: and, and- also think of it. But- And that's an unsecured school. And they left him in the school for 10 minutes while there was an attack on the country going on in just a random elementary school with six Secret Service agents. And he for for half an hour. Yeah, for half an hour. That's right. Mm -hmm. And he didn't uh, remark to the country for eight minutes or so. I mean, that's arbitrary, but it's it's based on what we all know about the Secret
3: Service. Yeah, Drew, it's not arbitrary at all. The Secret Service should have whisked him away immediately. You're right. Really, when the second when the second tower was struck. And I let him sit in the classroom for several minutes. He then gave an address around 930 from the school at, oh. you know, at 930. So he was there for about a full half an hour after the second plane struck. So now, yeah. tell
0: me you're tell me you're really worried about it. Like you're not really that worried about it because you obviously I mean, my brain goes straight to because you knew about it.
1: Absolutely,
3: mm-hmm. um, they knew that he was not well, actually.
0: Under- yeah.
4: And quite literally Whew. at that moment. George Bush's father was eating breakfast with Osama bin Laden's father in Can D.C. Father? Yep. father?
2: It was Osama bin Laden's father?
4: That's correct. He was eating breakfast with his father that morning at the Ritz-Carlton the day before they had a meeting with his brother.
3: Okay. Yeah, I know details like that. One correction, Drew, is that Marvin Bush was on the board of the security company for the World Trade Center. Not, he, wasn't, he, was, he himself was not the person in charge, but he was on the board. He was on the board. Um, okay. But Wurt Walker was the CEO of this company is called Stratosec. Um Wurt Walker uh, was the head of the company. He's oh, known to be like a distant cousin or something of the Bushes. Okay. But more importantly, what's really interesting is that Wurt Walker, uh, and I have trouble with his name, Barry McDaniel, uh, was the chief operating officer, I believe, for for Stratisec. These guys have military intelligence backgrounds. They They have like, why this? The guy who's doing security for the World Trade center for the several years leading up to nine eleven it was was in black ops and you know was involved in iran in the iran contra affair you know, and like how does that translate to doing you know electronic security at the world trade center
1: you know yeah.
3: and, and he was like an ex- expert in in um you know
4: military ordinance, distribution of military ordinance like why is he
3: doing security for the world trade center
4: and the contract ended the day of which is an Ooh.
0: odd anomaly. Um, okay. Lots, is, of, rabbit, it. lots of rabbit holes. You're yes, such rabbit
2: hole We can send people down, and we want them. This is what we want you to get. Do guys, we want you to go look at the same things. Don't take don't take their word for it. Go look at the same things that both Ted and Drew are looking at. And so, um, guys, I, I want to you to give some sources. But before you do, if you had to sum up in one minute, each of you. Ted, I'll start with you. If you had to sum up in one minute what you think really is more likely to have really transpired on 9 11. How would you summarize it based on what you know?
3: Well, yeah, I, th- I mean, I, I basically would say it was a false flag operation conducted by the U.S. military intelligence apparatus, probably with the involvement of uh, other intelligence agencies uh, throughout the world Saudi, uh, Israeli, uh, and possibly others. Uh, and the, go- the primary goal was to provide a pretext uh, to then launch the war on terror, uh, to invade Afghanistan, to later at least create the climate where it'd be easy to uh, invade Iraq, tr- you know, allege that there's connections between Al-Qaeda and Iraq, allege that Iraq has weapons of mass destruction, et cetera. Um, there were other motives as well. Uh, the people that, I, you know, I believe were um, at least the managers on 9-11, Dick Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld and others, um, wanted to, You know things like the Patriot Act, and also strengthening um, the 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 power of the executive branch, the power this theory called the unitary uh, uh, president presidency, Um, and you know the 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 authorization for use of military force that was passed on September fourteenth, two thousand one, with only one member of Congress uh, dissenting, um, has given the, the the executive branch the president the power to basically wage war anywhere that he claims that there is some sort of terrorism. Or some sort of, you know, uh terrorism related to nine related to nine eleven. The people that so so they've used that to like um conduct operations in something like twenty two countries, uh, according to uh Brown University study. Right. So this is what it was all about. Um and you know, as and we spoke to the the sort of secondary financial motives as well, uh perhaps. Some people believe that the financial motives are primary. Who knows? We need to get it, hopefully, I mean I don't know how much we can rely on the government to do an independent investigation
1: ever, yeah. but yeah.
3: we keep building towards a critical mass. You know, who knows what may be possible one day, but on our own, we need to document and establish a, a complete account of what actually happened on 9-11 um, and hopefully bring about justice for for the families and for the millions of people who in, in, in various ways, including all of us, um, who are affected by the events of, of that day.
2: Absolutely. Yes. So basically using fear to to propagate whatever mission or plans that they had, whether that was money, whether it was power, but it was certainly because we know the defense contractors and there's a lot of money in war, sadly. And I think yeah. this is what's very hard for people. People, listen, there are people who believe that people are expendable, that if you, you can lose some to gain what you want. And I think that's very hard for people of pure hearts to understand. Because, but we just saw it happen with the whole vaccine rollout. It's safe and effective. We now know it wasn't safe. It wasn't safe for everyone. And so, when you have A
4: CNN, it is yesterday. CNN just said yesterday it's safe. It's
2: <laughs> wild to me. It's wild to me. Um, when you have actual data and evidence that it's not, you know. But again, here's this cognitive dissonance, and also the mission. The mission is to what? Scare people into submission. Scare people into approval. Right. It's like you said, Ted. One person dissented. From giving the power to the President to enact war, which is kind of unprecedented because used to Congress had to vote on that, right like that was a congressional decision where that was representing we the people, not tyranny, right okay, drew, what's your summation what are you what's your one no. minute like here's what I think probably.
4: There's a couple things I want to add in, just history on the day, a couple small things. Um, a woman named Kristen Todd Whitman, this just really makes me angry, and it does a lot of other people as well. Kristen Todd Whitman was the head of the EPA, and just a few days after 9 11, she's the one who stood on the pile and said, The air is fine here. It's safe to breathe. Nobody wore it. Come on in. So if she was the head of the EPA. That was a blatant lie, and she admitted it later. Um, well, she said that she just didn't know. But uh, I mean, that's common sense. There's asbestos, and I mean, it's, Come on.
1: Mm-hmm. So
4: that was that, that was very aggravating. All the more actually re, in this past year, more deaths have uh, more people have died from cancer as first responders than they did on the actual day. That was passed. That uh, milestone was passed last year. Um, to add that the families were paid over a million dollars individually. Uh, that victims' families of nine eleven, but attached to that was an NDA, so they're not allowed to speak about it if they uh, if they are willing to take that money. So a handful of families chose not to, and they're still fighting. Some are. Um, and I think that was it. That yeah, that was all that I had yeah. for the to add. But as far as <laughs> my so thought, much. go ahead, Drew. Sorry. No, no, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Ted. You may have something to add better than that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, did you want to add to what he just
3: said there real quick just to, just to add i'm not a hundred percent sure it was an nda as far as they they forfeited their rights to sue anybody right mm. so like the jersey the jersey widows for who campaigned for the 9-11 commission they spoke about what happened on 9-11 they've given speeches saying oh, they don't uh, believe the official account but they but you you took the money instead of being able to sue you know to bring a civil case against anybody which is forfeiting a lot of, of power you yeah. know and yeah. some families that yeah, did choose to go through the courts and we're mostly, as far as I understand, mostly unsuccessful.
2: See, OK, and that's and that's very concerning. And by the way, Kristen Finnegan, one of our listeners and one of our good friends, you know, her her dad was the firefighter who was told it's safe to breathe the air and he's no longer with us. And so she told me, she said, when 2020 happened, I started questioning right away when they said it's safe because we've mm-hmm. been told it's safe and we don't trust the government when it says it's safe. Mm -mm. Yeah. Okay. Drew, last thing. What's your summation then, buddy? What do you think? What do you think probably happened?
4: Okay. So I was a fireman. I'm a realtor. I'm not an investigator. I'm not an engineer. So what I'm going on are, I I can read and I have eyes, common sense. Um, (laughs) But something I'd really like to be done, this is, it's going to strike everybody as being crazy, but NYPD never did an investigation. It was a crime in New York City, and they don't have a police file for it. There wasn't an investigation on the incident, uh, nor did the, nor did the uh, civilian law enforcement agencies. It was just dealt to the military to go kill all the folks overseas in the, in the Middle East. That was it. That was the aim. But Osama bin Laden, there was not enough evidence to uh, indict or convict him. In fact, it was reported by Fox News on December 22, 2001, that he died. So there's so much misinformation, disinformation, malinformation. Um, I'd like to see a thorough investigation. I'm pretty, I agree with Walter on what happened, but I want to see these guys go down for it. And I I don't think it was just started at 9-11. In the JFK days, I mean, it's now coming out. The CIA was involved. So the CIA coined the term conspiracy theorist. Uh, as a negative to, to make people talking about JFK sound crazy. So a lot of the same people that were around, I mean, George H.W. Bush is alleged allegedly involved with JFK, and George H.W. Bush was eating breakfast with the Midland family that morning. So is that? and then on to COVID, a lot of these same folks are in charge. Is this just the same, I mean, power, control, money, Uh and the big problem we have in the United States, there's a, more guns than people. You've got to keep control of these people. You've got to keep them scared. You've got to let them know that you're in charge. I think that adds on to what Ted's saying. But yeah. Yeah, my gut, I would bet my paycheck, I bet my life that uh, what Ted's saying is absolutely right. But I want to see those guys. I want to see him in court. And I want to see him go down. I hope Dick Cheney lasts long enough. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah well, right. Well, he and Fauci, I'd throw them both in the same pot. Um, yeah. I, I, I really do think that, that that remains to be seen. And I think that's one thing that we'll wrap up with here is that, hey, guys, if we keep putting the same people back in office to continue to um, appoint the same people to keep doing the same dirty work, this is never changing. It's like how like like when you were saying, uh, what's his name that they appointed with the commission, Ted? um uh, okay.
3: Kissinger. Kissinger.
2: Kissinger. I mean, what brought him back from the dead to do this. What? Like, that's weird. There's a million other people you could choose, right? Like, yep. we've got to change that. And what we've asked a lot of our experts in medicine, we said, what is it going to take to have accountability for COVID? And they have all said, it's how we vote. And we have to have fair elections, fair elections that allow the people to put new people, like real, real citizens who actually care about the truth and this country and the Constitution to go then appoint the people to prosecute the bad guys. And it's not changing if you keep sending the same left and right folks back to Washington, D.C. But mm-hmm. most, it's most fe- of them, is, see, it's corrupt. They're both. Two, the two, the yep. exactly. yep. mm-hmm.
4: two feathers on the same bird. Two feathers on the same bird.
2: Exactly. We got we to gotta change it. Well, guys, okay, real quick, will you tell us, Ted, um, obviously, I know we talked about the, the your, your production that's out, the um, piece for 9-11, everyone go watch that. But that's what wonderful. other, uh, what's, what other thing? Yeah, Drew's already seen it. What else would you guys suggest if people want to do their own digging, where should they go?
3: There's a lot of information on our website, ic 911org We have the Journal of 9-11 Studies, which is basically a fountain of <laughs> Peer-reviewed research that's been done since 2006 into various areas of 9/11, uh, perhaps the most in the demolitions of the buildings, but also other aspects. So you can find it right there at ismo1.org, and it's still still active. We're still publishing papers, um, and you know we've got two other sources of information that are key on the website. But just go to the website and go into the resources tab. You'll find tons of videos, tons of books. And we've, if you're particularly interested in that question of who, um, actually, I, I'd recommend the two books that we published on our website in the past few months. One is called Another 19. The other is um, the 2001 anthrax deception, which we haven't had a chance to talk about that. But the anthrax was really sort of this the, part of a one two punch, really, with 9 11 and the anthrax mm. attacks. You can read The Another 19 basically talks about real, nine, legitimate 9 11 suspects like Dick Cheney, like Don Rumsfeld. So, under the republished books tab, under resources on our website, you can find those two books. They're available for free now on our website. There's so much good stuff out there, but and you'll find maybe 50, 60% of it on our on our website under the resources tab.
2: Awesome. Okay, you guys are going to, so we're going to put that in our sub stack. If you don't subs- subscribe to our sub stack, it is free. You can also pay if you want to help support the podcast, but that will be in a sub stack that accompanies this episode. So go check us out there. We'll put Ted, every link that Ted just said, Drew, do you want to add anything to that that he didn't mention?
4: I would. I think those are great resources. I think if you want to really get the juice on what happened, I think he's I think go to go down Ted's go to Ted's resources. I think that's the way to go. In addition to that, um, me being a former government employee, I like seeing from the horse's mouth um, the oral history of the FDNY. You're reading the firefighters that were there that day. Over 100 said there were explosions. Just read those oral histories, FDNY, you can Google it. Um, Addition to that, there was an operation called Operation Northwoods in the Cold War, where the CIA planned to put CIA agents on a plane, fly it through South America, and have an empty drone plane crash. And the story would be those were all full of U.S. citizens to start a war with Cuba. So this, I mean, this documentable, you can Google this, Operation Northwoods. It was passed by everyone Uh, in the military, except for Kennedy. He turned it down. Um, Also, uh, Operation Mockingbird. So Operation Mockingbird also is a Cold War experiment where the, you guys might know about this, but where the media was taken over by the government, the CIA, and said exactly what they wanted to say. And
1: it seems that that's
4: ended. Yeah, it seems (laughs) that that's still accurate. But last thing I'd like to add is this is becoming Thank God, 20-something years later, people are looking into it. It is becoming more popular. In the past month, the two most popular TV shows, uh, or not TV shows, but uh, streaming services, um, Tucker Carlson and Joe Rogan, have gone into this. They didn't go as deep as I'd like, and I'm sure Ted would agree with that, but the surface is being scratched way more than it ever has, and I think we're starting to get somewhere. And we're making the people in charge nervous. Yeah, Which, okay.
2: Jim Brewer just was on Joe Rogan. They talk about it at minute 19 on that episode. You can go listen to it. Tucker, definitely go be following Tucker. Listen to his podcast. He's going down the rabbit holes as well. Here's the thing, though. What you just said, Drew, is true. They know we're on the trail. They -hmm. know this now. And they're not going quietly into that good night. So what I think that we can be need to be prepared for is they're going to try to shut down sites like Ted's. They're going to try to shut down voices like ours. They already have on Instagram. We lost our whole account. For simply telling the truth about something and literally with facts. Um, Mm -hmm. They will try to silence us and and what they're trying to do. I'm going to encourage you to go listen to Tucker's interview with um, Weinstein, the evolutionary biologist, who says he's very concerned about what the who's doing right now because they're trying to take control of, guess what? Podcasts. Podcasts. yeah websites so that the people can no longer talk because they can't control us when we can talk amongst ourselves. They can control us with a one state media. And that's what they're going to try to push you. So guys, be aware. We got to fight against this. And you just need to be prepared for them to be be shutting things down. And they're going to tell you they're shutting things down because they're dangerous misinformation. But hopefully by now our audience is smart enough because you've just thought and you know better and you won't fall for the BS anymore guys thank you so much for being on Uh, thank you for giving us extra time today we appreciate you so much guys go check them out you gotta go do some digging on this one all right everybody we'll see you
4: next time thank you all thank you very much (音楽) Let's go.